This week's episode is dedicated to Joe Ritchie Bennett, James Furlong and David Wales, who were all killed in a senseless attack in Reading this past weekend. They were all proud members of the LGBTQ plus community. Again and Non-Gay is a podcast from James Barr and Dan Hudson. They're like a lovely little couple, except they're not. Hey everyone, Dan, it's like a year ago now since we went to Belfast to interview that so-called gay conversion therapy guy. You know, it's interesting because it now looks like the UK government are suggesting that they're likely to ban or at least partly ban gay conversion therapy in the UK. Yes, but... We also know that the Equalities Minister Liz Truss, meanwhile, is suggesting a rollback on trans rights. By Felicia. James and I just watched Dating Amber and uh, I think it's brought a lot of memories back from that trip. Um, for both yeah, of us. we're in our feelings about this movie. It's about growing up gay in 1990s Ireland amidst homophobia and shame. And a lot has changed since then. Ireland and Northern Ireland finally have marriage equality now. But the homophobia and shame of being gay doesn't just go away because of that. And it's important to work through it. Yeah. You relate. <laughs> And actually, that's why we're really looking forward to today's podcast, because we are chatting to Dating Amber star Lola Pettigrew. So stick around as we chat to Lola about the film, but also about growing up gay in Northern Ireland, being on set filming Dating Amber as the marriage equality legislation in Northern Ireland was passed, her incredible friendship with her co-star Fionn and the huge impact that making this film has had on her personal life and on how she identifies. Yeah, let's do it. You're going to love this episode. Welcome to a gay and a non-gay. So Lola, you play Amber in Dating Amber. Tell us what it's about, I guess, if for people that are listening that haven't yet seen it. Uh, so Amber and Eddie are two gay teenagers in uh, Kildare in rural Ireland. And they both decide that in order to stop people sort of taunting and speculating about their sexuality, that they'll be each other's beards and form a fake relationship. And then they fall head over heels in platonic love with each other and become a really lovely integral part of each other's coming out stories. Oh, it's like you and I, Dan, isn't it, in a way? Uh, kind of. <laughs> is this is this a thing that gay people do? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I don't think I had a beard that knew she was my beard. Does that make sense? <laughs> yeah. It's, it's really interesting because in the movie... There's a lot going on and obviously Fionn's character isn't that happy being gay and doesn't want to come out, isn't ready to accept who he is. So falls in love with you or thinks he's falling in love with you for real. And I guess I did that too with a girl, except the girl I dated was actually um, straight. So yeah, when I was younger, Dan, I did have a beard, but I mean, nothing happened. <laughs> we, we didn't even hold hands. Like it was crazy. There's this scene where like Eddie tries to hold my hand and it's like, ah. Uh... I actually don't even want to do that. That's a lot of contact with somebody I don't want to have contact with. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a like holding hands with someone is deep. It's it's quite a difficult thing to do. And I think I did eventually <laughs> hold her hand, but we never kissed. Like I never kissed her. The first time I kissed a girl properly was in a gay bar in Brighton, and it was like truth or dare, and I had to kiss a girl, and it was the worst thing I've ever had to do in my life. <laughs> How much of this story is is true to your life, Lola? Well, I grew up and like from a really young age, 
I suppose like I knew that I was queer, but I didn't sort of feel like I had the terminology. Like I spoke in an interview recently where they were like, who was your first crush? And I was like, well, it's really funny because I remember watching the film Hitch and being attracted to both Eva Mendes and Will Smith and being like, I should definitely only find one of these people attractive. What is going on? And then in my like early teenage years, I sort of found the term bisexual and I used that for a really long time, but something never really quite fit and it didn't feel like me. And so I suppose I sort of always knew that, but sort of squashed it down. And then it was actually really through doing this film that I'd given so much weight to Amber and what she was going through and her finding herself that I sort of decided that I needed to give myself that. And that's really when I found the term queer. And and as soon as I started using that word to describe myself, I feel like it was the biggest weight off my shoulders. I feel like I completely transformed as a person. I became really comfortable with myself. And I feel like I just managed to detangle years and years and years of like compulsory heterosexuality and heteronormativity and things that I didn't even realize I was squashing about myself and, and hadn't been honest with myself about and through playing this character I mean it was like artistically really gratifying but in in terms of my personal life it's something I can't even put into words. It's really interesting hearing you say compulsory heterosexuality I really enjoyed that because it kind of feels like it is compulsory and you don't feel safe to be yourself and to come out and um, I don't know, just hearing you say those words was really powerful. I don't think I've ever heard anyone say that before. Well, it's like even I, I felt like I, I'd been in relationships with with men and been in relationships with women, but for some reason, something was always different. And I had all of this shame and this guilt that I just had decided I wasn't even going to think of. And I've had a lot of friends who've talked about, you know, the idea that they, you know, might be attracted to people of the same gender, but they don't know if they could pursue it romantically. And I've sort of started saying to them, do you think that that's because, you know, that's not for you? And if it isn't, then that's fine. But how much do you think of that is compulsory heterosexuality, the idea that you find them attractive, but pursuing it is something so different because you're expected to just be in a heteronormative relationship. Over to you, Dan. (laughs) That is a really interesting point, actually. Why do you think that is? I think that a lot of it is to do with compulsory heterosexuality. It's to do with the images that were fed growing up. It's to do with what we see in the media, with the songs that we listen to. And I think that because things are shifting so much now that a lot more people are just starting to think about it because we have the labels, we have the language, we have the conversations happening, whereas before we didn't, you know? And it's it's something that, you know, people always use the term spectrum, but for a lot of people, sexuality falls on a spectrum but it's a spectrum that they can't explore because they, I suppose they just haven't had the platform to think or or speak about it. Unbelievably, Dan and I have both done the Kinsey scale test and I was fully gay and Dan was fully non-gay. I I still find that it can't be true because I believe so hard in this this spectrum of sexuality that I sort of refuse to accept that I am fully gay and I certainly refuse to accept that Dan is fully non-gay but there are people on either ends of the spectrum just as much as there are people in the middle of it absolutely um do you know and it's it's this whole thing it's like you get to define what you are and that's what I love about the the label queer is that for me I get to define the label the label doesn't define me and I was really lucky growing up I had incredibly supportive parents that's why I find it so funny that I you know hadn't given myself that sort of 
thought and space before because I had great parents and my daddy rang me after he watched the film and he was like, you know, people keep asking me what you mean when you keep describing yourself as queer. And I've just said that it's just you and that's who you are and that's who you've always been. And I was like crying. And then my daddy took the phone and he was like, you know what? I think we all have a bit of rainbow in our veins somewhere. And I was like, go on, Dad. <laughs> so this is amazing, really, that you didn't, if you hadn't done this film, you wouldn't be identifying as, as you are. Yeah, I think I'd still be using the term bisexual. Um, I think it was just the term that was most available to me when I was younger. Um, it made the most sense. But it, it is funny because I think you just know in yourself if something doesn't feel right or sit right. And for me, that label means so much more than just who I'm attracted to. It's who I am as a person, you know, how I present myself in the world and the things that I'm interested in. Like, it's an entire massive, wonderful, beautiful umbrella term for, I think, everything that makes me up. It's funny trying to explain what queer is and what the difference between that and bisexual or gay or, or lesbian is, because I don't even know if I get that right as a gay person. And mm -hmm. I'm throwing both Dan and myself under the bus here, but I guess I think queer means that like you say, it's lots of different facets of your personality and it means you're not attracted to binary people. Yeah. It's not just a man or a woman. Uh, you could potentially end up in a polyamorous relationship as well. Like it's just completely open. Is, is that right? Yeah, I think you're just sort of open to the idea that, that for you, it's always a person. You're open to the idea of it being people. You're, you're sort of just open to everything and that, you know, you don't see like gender identities and things as binary. Although like I identify as a woman and I use she, her, uh, pronouns I think that you know some days I wake up and I feel completely different to the way I felt yesterday and and that's fine and and I think that I squashed a lot of the way that I presented myself in the world and I think what's funny is that like at 14 I was so much more comfortable with it and then I got into my late teens and early 20s and sort of just went back into this insular compulsory heterosexual bubble and I think that's just because I was around lots and lots of straight people during that time. So the other sort of amazing thing that's happened off the back of this film is, is you've got a, a real life IRL BFF yeah. <laughs> in Fionn. Do you guys live together? Well yeah we're currently isolating together. We met when we, well we met before we filmed it, the chemistry read and sort of hit it off from the word go and we just knew that we were going to be best friends with the exact same sense of humour we're into all of the same things. And so before we even shot the film, we had months of just like this budding, lovely friendship. So by the time we got on set, we were completely comfortable with each other. And it really felt like, you know, life imitating art because, you know, Amber and Eddie are platonic soulmates. And I, I feel like I found that in film. Are you going to do other movies together? Please, can you not ever separate? People keep saying like, geez, I'm like, I'll work with Fionn forever, Irish LGBT characters forever. <laughs> You're going to be like the gay Beyonce and Jay-Z, basically. That's what I want from your <laughs> I love that. <laughs> um, do you guys like hug as well, like on the sofa, like in the movie? Can I join? We... <laughs> We are literally the two most affectionate humans in the world. And we're in this tiny little caravan. I'll get off the sofa and Fionn's like, where are you going? And I'm like, the only other room in the house. I'll be back in a minute. James does that to me all the time. Do I? Pre-lockdown, yeah. Like, what are you doing? Where are you going? Yeah, but it's just nice. Yeah. Like, we're literally, like, attached at the hip. We're literally, it's just like, hug. The thing is, though, with Dan, like, he doesn't, he doesn't really want to hug that often. And it, he'll be awkward about it when we're, when we're saying bye. I'll be like, okay, bye. And he's like, 
Call okay. my, and it's just like no, I'm not. It's just like you don't, you can't be hugging if people you see all the time. You can't be hugging them hello and hugging them goodbye and hugging them well, left, right, and center. I have spent time with no one other than Fionn for maybe the past three and a half months, and we spent more of the day hugging than we spent not hugging. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Dan, you know what we got to do when this is all over. You, know? you owe me three months of hugs. <laughs> I, I don't mind I don't mind hugging people but like just the phrase I don't mind hugging people but it's just a lot <laughs> well before before I start hanging out with James I just I would just reserve that for a special occasion really hugs <laughs> aren't I mean. for special occasions it's not like a nice dress it's not like your favorite <laughs> pair of shoes it's a hug our pronoun tea is back on sale plus introducing the pronoun collection you can now get your hands on a pronoun vest and a pronoun hat these are so amazing i'm so excited dan i feel like a fashion queen i'm like miranda Priestley. i don't know who that is this is what i'm working with go to gaynongay.shop to get yours 10 percent goes to mermaids there's a list of all the pronouns he him she her and they them and you can choose which pronoun you want to highlight and you can have it either in pink or in metal silver. I've gone for metal silver, obviously James has gone for hot pink. So all of the pronouns are listed with yours highlighted so that everyone around you knows that they're included, visible and accepted. Gain on gay.shop to get yours now. I think it's interesting that the movie was set in the 90s because Dan and I have, have spent time in Northern Ireland and also Ireland. And when I got off the, the bus in Dublin, at the airport i heard this mum say to her kid like he, he didn't want to get in the muddy puddle she called him a faggot straight away and i thought that was so shocking because this guy this poor kid was like four years old or something and we've we've talked to a conversion therapist in northern ireland and and things are not easy um certainly in northern ireland which has been called the most homophobic place in western yeah, europe so that's where i'm from i'm from belfast and it's um I mean, you've got people like Arlene Foster running up there. So, you know, what do you expect? It is horrifying. Like a lot of people ask us in interviews and they ask about it being set in the 90s and how far we've come. And I'm like, you know, just because things are written into law doesn't mean that socially we've caught up. That casual homophobia is still so prevalent. And it was prevalent in my school and it was prevalent in Fionn's school and it's prevalent on the streets and in the way that people talk to their kids. And I think also when you run in like liberal circles, it's easy to think that it's gone further, but this is a little pocket town and it's absolutely still present. So it's like it's set in 1995, but you could definitely set it now. Yeah. If you set it now, would it be that different? Not at all. It's really sad. I mean, I was on set and between takes, I was on Twitter and marriage equality had just been passed in the North of Ireland. And I got teary and I felt completely overwhelmed and it felt really beautiful to be on set of this film. Then I was like, God, it's like 24 years after this film that marriage equality has just been passed in the North. Wow. You know, and in actually in 1995, when we set the film, um, it was only two years after homosexuality had been decriminalized in Ireland. So these kids that are coming to terms with their sexuality, two years before, they were seeing themselves as criminals, not just, you know, uncomfortable or unsure. They were criminals. So James and myself um, have spent quite a lot of time in Belfast and we made a documentary about conversion therapy. A thing that kept coming up over and over again is this is like part of the UK and it feels like a million miles away from 
from where we are. And the, the conversion therapist guy who we spoke to, he was like, oh, but you just think we're all backwards over here. I'm almost like, well, yeah. When we hear people talk about the film and talk about, we, we've heard people speak about the film and some people are like, well, why don't they just fall in love? And I'm like, well, because then it's an advert for conversion therapy. You know, it's like, you just haven't found the right boy yet. Like, that's not what we're trying to get across. These two do love each other and you have to get past the idea that the only love that's important is romantic. These two people are soulmates. They are head over heels in love with each other. But it's platonic and that's okay. Exactly like Dan and I, I think. A gay and a non-gay. I don't know if I read this to Dan even, but one of the listeners to our podcast we met in Belfast when we were there sent me a message the other day. And this was literally a year later from, from the day we met. He wrote me a message saying... I was talking to a guy on a dating app a few weeks back, but I had to stop because of the shame and guilt that I felt towards wanting a relationship with another guy. I don't think it was just that moment that made me feel shame, but it definitely amplified what I felt in the background at a low level for a really long time. I was wondering if you had any resources or suggestions for dealing with shame for being gay. It was really strange timing because, like I said, it was exactly a year after we'd done that documentary, but also the night I'd watched Dating Amber, which is set in Northern Ireland. So it was bringing a lot of emotions back to me. Do you have any thoughts on on that and how, how to cleanse yourself of that of that shame? I think that was something that, like, I, I think I'm even still um, detangling when people talk about it. I think it's because from the moment that you're born, that's the idea of normal that you're fed so deviating from that in any way feels wrong and that doesn't mean that you think it's wrong or that you think that you are wrong or the feelings are wrong but it's seen as a deviation from what normal is so obviously that's going to feel odd and I think it takes years to detangle that I think it's it's so funny because some people think that you know the second that somebody comes out that's it it's all like rainbows and glitter and it's all fine and it's great and you've said it now so you're happy and that's just not it at all And I think that the only thing that you can really do is surround yourself with people who you can talk to about it on a level who you're not afraid of saying anything in front of, who you're not afraid of sharing those feelings with. And also like the ability to change your mind on something and explore. And and for me, it was really finding somebody like Fionn and a lot of the friends that I've made in the past few years where I could just have an open dialogue and, and not have to make decisions on anything straight away and just have that space to sort of figure myself out because I was never given it before. It was just expected that I was going to be a certain way. I think this is how I've kind of dealt with it. It's like the shame, actually, it's not really ours. It's what society has put on us. And actually, it's not really our problem. When we talk about like LGBTQ people fighting for rights, it's like, well, it's grand that we're doing it. I mean, but the onus isn't on us. It's on the people who aren't giving us them. It's not really my problem. It's your problem. Yeah, Dan. Yeah. Oh, I'm, no, I'm not denying anyone their rights. <laughs> and you know what? Dan's an amazing ally. Uh, and yeah, but I, that's what we need is like amazing allies because, you know, our voices are marginalised and we're marginalised people and it's hard to speak up and for people to take you serious sometimes. So if you have incredible allies who are using their voice and their platform and, you know, the power and the privilege that they have, you know, that's what we really need. 
Do you think it's worse for people growing up LGBT in Northern Ireland because as well as being told that, you know, like you say, subconsciously that they're they're heterosexual, but they're also told for the most part that they're either Catholic or Protestant? Identity is such a weird thing in the North. Um, as well, it's like, you know, you're, you're part of a culture where the only way that people spoke about identity was whether or not you were Catholic or Protestant. That's what identity was. So there wasn't even room to explore any other facets of identity. That was it. And what's really interesting is like my sister, we grew up in the same house with the same parents um, who are both so lovely and open. And obviously I could talk about things from a young age, but my sister didn't come out. My sister's a lesbian and she didn't come out until she had left school. She was maybe 18 or 19. We were actually, she'd started coming to this gay bar with me more and more often. And I think one night I was literally like, Danielle, do you have something you want to tell me? And she broke into tears and she was crying and she was like, I'm gay. And I was like, yeah, I know. Why are you upset? Like, I mean, you can't think that mommy and daddy are going to, you know, say anything or that, you know, you know that it's it's going to be grand. And she couldn't put it into words with herself. And I still, I still don't think that she can now. We spoke about it loads. And it was much harder for her and a, and a much bigger deal to say it uh, or even consider exploring it. You know, at 18 in the same house with people that we knew were going to love us no matter what, it, it doesn't matter. It's still hard. And especially, you know, when you grow up in, in a place that's so heavily religious and all you see when anybody is ever talking about, you know, LGBT people in the North, it's it's often in a depressing manner. And that's why with this film as well, what we really wanted to do was, you know, it's really important to tell the stories of, of, of tragedy within the community and, and how hard things are. But also, if that's the only way that you see yourself is like doom and gloom, that's really hard. And that only adds to sort of the, the panic about saying it or coming out. So if you frame these stories with like hope and, and comedy and friendship and sort of show that there's a light at the end of the tunnel, I mean... I mean, we deserve to have those feelings as well. That's why this sure. film's so beautiful. There's a really, like, speaking of dark moments, the the darkest moment actually is um, where Theon's character is talking to the guy from the army uh, yeah. in a pub, and they're both like, "Yeah, we can just pretend to be straight. We can just get married. It's fine. Like, no one will know." And yeah. that's devastating. And I think we've seen that happen a lot there are a lot of guys in particular that are out there pretending to be straight and then in later life will come out and that is devastating for their families and it's just so upsetting that that this can happen we just need to be ourselves and celebrate that and you're right see positive stories like this movie happen so that we know it is okay for us to be ourselves yeah. well i just feel like if you always like dave has said this loads that if the only way that you ever say see gay or queer people in a film is them being beat on or or dying of AIDS or or you know um having to be in relationships that they don't want to be in if that's the only way that you see yourself then that's the only way that you think life can be especially for younger kids do you know and this is you know this is ultimately like a, a teenage film a coming of age story and so if you see that at a young age and you think that that's the whole experience. I mean, it couldn't be farther from the truth. Two unlikely friends take on the world. Now that the movie's out there and people have seen it, are you getting messages from from younger people who feel like an affirmation of being queer because of it? Our inboxes are so completely full with them. I mean, we got them, you know, before the movie came out as well, when the trailer came out or when there was articles being written about it. But like recently, like, 
I cannot open my messages without just wanting to cry because they're saying the same things that, you know, I would have said that, you know, with like Amber and Sarah, that's the queer girl couple that I wish that I had when I was younger, that I could have taken my first girlfriend to see in the cinema instead of going to watch Twilight and trying to hold her hand while watching Twilight, you know? (laughs) (laughs) So it's obviously a busy time for you, but it must be a really busy time for Fionn because this sort of came out, what, two weeks after normal people. What's going on with him? Is he just all over the shop? I think he was like really looking forward to Dean Amber coming out because for a while he was quite possibly the most hated man in Ireland. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, we got like odd looks when we were doing our shops in Tesco. I think it was was good with social distancing because nobody could, you know, come up. I mean, Jamie's like, Jamie's not the greatest, but some people were comparing him to like King Joffrey. Somebody wrote, they were like, I just want to take Jamie and beat his face in with my bare hands. And I'm like, (laughs) yeah, but like there's a real person that's reading that and feeling such a dote. And like, there was one about his sunglasses. It was like, oh, I hate his stupid sunglasses so much. But they were actually his own prescription sunglasses. Oh, that's so, so horrible. That's, but, he, but he's doing a good job. If he's getting that reaction out of people, then he's doing an amazing job. But that's what he said. He's like, you know, all you can hope for is, is a really visceral reaction from people, whether it's love or hate. And I think he definitely managed to get that. But he was really excited for this to come out. Um, so, I mean, you couldn't... You, the two characters are so on the opposite end of any scale, which is just, it goes to show Fionn's chops. He's such an amazing actor. But I think, you know, I was just really excited for people to see him as Eddie because I think he just, he was extraordinary. And I don't think that um, I could have done what I did in the film without him at all. Happy Pride from a gay and a non-gay. What's happening in the love lives of uh, <laughs> of dating Amber in real life? Like, what are we allowed to talk about that? This is a really funny thing because I think Fionn's always sort of felt this way, but this film also rewired my brain a little bit. I think that, you know, for a really long time, I was sort of like outwardly seeking a romantic relationship and not really knowing why other than I think I was meant to be in one. After this film and just being so fulfilled within a friendship and seeing the way that Fionn felt and these characters felt, I had this massive rewiring in my brain where I was like, you know, I'm so at peace and happy. Like every sort of puzzle piece at the minute feels like it's in place. And if you're going to like come to my party, you better be bringing something. And if nobody comes to the party other than the people that are already here, it's still a great party. So I don't really care. Thank you, Lola. I really appreciate I really appreciate you and everything about you right now. Um, you must watch Dating Amber. It's such a beautiful film. It's on Amazon Prime. If you don't have it, get the trial so you can watch it. it I wish I had that film when I was growing up. It's, it's so lovely. Thanks so much, Lola. Thank you so much. Thank you very much for having me. Uh, thanks for listening, babes. Do the admin and support a gay and a non-gay. Visit gaynongay.com slash donate. <laughs>